book of Daniel. I'm in the book of Daniel again. This will be lesson number seven. And I pray tonight God help us. We're looking at this first chapter. And we'll be dealing tonight with three verses. Chapter one, verse number five, six, and seven. And I believe we we'll, may not get the, through any of them uh, completely. But uh, we'll try our best to get that far. And uh, we'll t- I take whatever subject is involved in that. And that's where we stand with and go with it. I like preaching that way because that's you pick up about every subject on the sun when you're doing that out of the Word of God. And uh, so tonight, we'll read these three verses, chapter 1, verse number 5, verse number 6, and verse number 7. And uh, I pray, t- pray tonight that God will help us. This book of Daniel, chapter 1, I've never stated it like that, but chapter 1 reminds you pretty well what... What's going on around us today? And you've got to remember that Daniel is a prophetic book. It's not only a prophetic book, but it's a historical book. It'd be a lot of things you wouldn't know if you didn't have the book of, of, of Daniel. And it's not all that, but it's a, a, a practical book. It comes down to where we live and we can get things and pick up things that will help us. Now, in the book of Daniel, chapter number 1, verse 5 said, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And you'll see this happening and play out in chapter 1. I won't get that three-year part tonight, but we'll do it later. Verse 6 says, Now among these uh, were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, I don't know how you pronounce them any different than that. I've looked at different ones. I've heard preachers preach different on it and say it, but basically where I just said it tonight. And, uh, you know, you can get your own interpretation of that if you'd like and uh, learn how to say it. But don't call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm telling you to do that tonight. That's all you've ever known them boys as. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'll show you tonight why. That's not their names. Their names are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's their names. Learn them that way. Memorize them that way. Get them fixed in your mind. Because if I was taken into captivity and they'd put me into bondage, I wouldn't want you to give uh, my name, a different name, or give them them give me me a different name, and you call me by the worldly name. It's a difference there. Then he said in verse seven, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach. You see it, and to Azariah. Uh, of a bendigo. Now you may say those different too, but that's basically what people's been saying about them all these times. So I want us to go to the Lord in prayer, and then I want us to look at this tonight. I'm going to label this the devil's tools that he's using. The devil's tools uh, tonight. That's how we're going to talk about it, the devil's tools that he is using today in our society. So let's pray. I done prayed, didn't I? No. You sure? You ain't sure? I know. (laughs) I know it didn't. I'm not trying to confuse you, but I'm just just checking you. You sure it didn't pray? You can't pray too much, so go ahead. Man, listen to this. He's going to satisfy my mind. I was already satisfied with it. I just trying to aggravate you. All right, here we go. Father, help us tonight. I pray that you'd stir our minds and hearts and souls. May the will of God be done as we look into the precious, perfect, Lord, unadulterated Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to open its pages. Thank you, Lord, for what you've learned us in the years we've been studying it. Thank you tonight for what we understand from it. And even that we don't know and can't understand Lord, we're looking for wisdom to understand it. 
And Lord, you'll give it to us when we need it. We know that. I pray, God, tonight that you'll help us. Now give us what we see out of this scripture tonight. I pray, Lord, you'd touch every man, every woman, boy and girl here tonight. And Father, may we apply what we hear and draw us close to you that we'll stand in the gap. And Lord, we have to say, try to make up the hedge because, Lord, we fail in that. And I pray, God, tonight you'll use us in a mighty way. May the Holy Ghost, God, tonight direct our thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now, I want to go back to verse number 5 and start. And we'll just take off when it says, and the king. Now, who was the king? Who's the king? Who is that king? Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, and the king. We've got to remember that it's Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he's, the, he's the king. And we'll talk a bit about him more in a minute. But his name means Nebo, protect the crown. And it also says frontiers. You may find some different ones. You look at all these things, and I try to keep up these names. So, but what it is, he's, he's the king, and he's the, supposed to be the protector of Nebo. Now, Nebo is a false god. You remember the Israelites here are being transferred from the land of Canaan, in the sense, well, actually Judah, but it come from the people of Israel. And they're put into a pagan land. Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan king. He was known as the greatest and the most powerful of all the Babylonian kings. He, they were smart. Matter of fact, they were called that. Uh, so we'll look at that. It said, and the king appointed. I want to get his idea and get it settled what's happening out of these verses tonight. Appointed means he has, and I've got several words, he's got it scheduled for these fellas. I want to say this before I get any further, in case I don't say it. Tonight, I'll be back on it again. But you've got to remember that it's not just these four boys that's involved in the whole story. There's more than these. There's more than they are. There's several eunuchs. But these are the four that God had respect for. They were a little bit special more than the others. And so God's dealing with them, and he, he knows what they are, and God blesses them. The others ain't dealt with. They are doing their work. They're in bondage, but they haven't been out in the limelight. These fellows that we're talking about tonight, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they are the good characters, if you will, of all those. Not saying that they are special, above measure, but God can use them. They're obedient to God. They know more about God and the work of God than the others do. And so you've got to remember they're just put there, but they have been appointed, and God has allowed them to get what they need, but he's, he's scheduled uh, their needs. He's told them what they're going to get. He's prearranged this thing. He's determined. He's allotted. He's fixed. He's set uh, and authorized. Uh, and a decree's been made, and he's prescribed what they need. So this king is going to take care of them. He's not got them in bondage to hurt them. But he's got another purpose. And we're going to talk about the purpose of him tonight, what he's got for us. Then it said... And the king appointed them a daily portion. Going to take care of them every day. Just kind of keep that in the back of your mind for a minute. And we'll tie it together in just a little bit. He appointed them a daily provision. Going to take care of them. That provision has been given to them. And uh, that word daily means it's going to be consistent Constant, it's going to be continual. It's got to be done every day. This king, which is a type of Satan, if you will, this king is taking care of the Lord's men. I'd have to say these, 
These men are the Lord's men at this particular time and all the way through the book of Daniel. And he's appointed them a daily provision. Every day they're going to be fed, they're going to be clothed, they're going to be taken care of, they're going to get to rest, they're going to be blessed, they're going to be strengthened, they're going to be encouraged. Nebuchadnezzar has issued that. Amen. Now the devil don't want to do that to God's people a lot of times, but here he's got a purpose. You'll see that in a minute. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. Amen. And of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. So he's provided for them. And that word provision means he's given them a diet, the necessities they need, and the best care he can get them. Because he's got a purpose of these boys. What is it? Uh, you know, the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, they're wanting them to have the best food so that they can eat like the Chaldeans. You wouldn't believe that today, but the devil wants you to eat like he eats. When you get to thinking about it tonight, we're finding that to happen. Uh, the devil and this king wants them to have, well, I'll give you the thought, that they're living down in Mesopotamia in that area. That's the part where it's at. And uh, down by the Euphrates, the Tigris River. And they're there. Matter of fact, the portion that they've just gone to is classified as the wisest group of people on the face of the earth. Babylonian, Babylonian people are supposed to be smart. They're classified that way. They've put them in the smartest part of the world. When you take God's people and put them in the smartest part of the world, why does he want that? Because these fellows are smart. He knows they're smart. He proves their smartness. You'll see it. Matter of fact, I say God's people who are saved by the grace of God and dedicated and consecrated to God and full of God. Amen. Probably the smartest people on the face of the earth. Amen. When you'd rather trust a Christian, I said a Christian, I mean a born again child of God that sold out to God. Wouldn't you'd rather trust him as to trust a heathen? Amen. Wouldn't you think the church tonight has been established to be the smart of the world? Would you believe tonight and believe and agree with me tonight that the church ought to be the happiest people on the earth? Amen. The church ought to be the most blessed people on the earth. The church ought to be the most dedicated, consecrated, wisest people on the face of the earth. Now, can you say it is? What's happened? We're going to look at this tonight. And I, I'm going to take my time. We need to see it. I'm going to give you these things here. The devil, or Nebuchadnezzar, is considering these people, and he wants them to eat his food. They, he wants them to drink his drink. He wants them to think like the Chaldeans. He's got, he done talked about it in verse number four, he, that he might teach them the learning of the Chaldeans. He wants them to act like the Chaldeans. He wants them to worship like the Chaldeans. He wants them to live like the Chaldeans. Now this is a pagan land. He's going to try to talk them out of serving God. That's the mindset of the devil. Uh, I heard a preacher preaching a couple of days ago, and he said that the thing that the world is trying to get done tonight is get us away from God. Well, I've been preaching that for a long time. And that's true. He wants to get us away from God, and he, the, the country wants us to be obedient. That's another thing that Nebuchadnezzar wanted. He wanted them not to follow God. He wanted them to be obedient to his perfect will. His perfect will. That's the perfect will of Nebuchadnezzar and the devil tonight is not the same perfect will of God. Amen. So I'm looking at this, and when I look at it, I see it, and it's it's a, it's an encouragement and a and also 
It hurts. Now the devil has made a bid for the church. And the church has fallen for his bid. I believe I can say that tonight. I believe I'd be right. I believe tonight you'd have to agree with it. The devil says tonight, hey, go ahead and enjoy the world. Have yourself a time, a big time. Just do everything the world tells you to do. Live like the devil lives. Let the devil set your standards for everything. Where you eat, what you do, where you go, everything. That's what the devil says. The devil says, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says, come out from among the world and be you separate. Amen. Now, some of you may have worldly friends. I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you've got worldly friends, you better get away from that now. I don't care for church members or non-church members. You get around somebody that cusses a lot. You get around somebody that drinks a lot. You get around somebody that uh, beats people and lives ungodly and unholy. It will not be long until you build doing the same things that they're doing. I found out one thing in all the years I've lived in this life. You can't, you can, I remember some preachers used to run and people used to run with the hippies. And they was going to win them to God. You know what happened? They become hippies. It happens that way. You said, I'm not, well, why would you want to run with them? You see what I'm saying tonight? You say, well, I just believe you can. Well, just believe what you want to believe. I've seen this. And that's what the devil wants. The devil wants to, he wants to dictate your friendship. And he wants them to have the love uh, love for, for the world. And he wants you to have the love for the world. Amen. Now, I want to give you this little thought. Got to study in the Word of God and this is true. If you have friends that's not full of God, that rejoice in the Word, try to live by the Word, try to dot the I's and cross the T's of the Word of God, you're going down. If they don't read the Bible, you won't read the Bible pretty soon. Whatever you do, they'll do. When I first started preaching, I was ordained with two more men. Both of those are dead now. Out of those preachers at New Hope when I was going down there, I told you there's 17. I reckon right now I'm the only one living out of them 17. You know where I've seen some of them? They got out of the ministry. They may not have been called. I don't know that. But they wouldn't preach. Some of them I know quit preaching and God took them out of here on the early train. You understand? Because God's callings are without repentance. Some just blowed out and some of them just uh, God took them. Some of them just died natural, whatever. But I'm the only one left of them. But the one I've got ordained with He died a couple of years ago. And he preached. And I loved his preaching. And he's the one I told you, shut his eyes and preach and he is everywhere. Till one night they had a wire stretched across. They was going to have something hanging a curtain or something where you're going to hang it. and, And I jumped up right here, right across the pulpit. And it just swung down about like this. And... That night I was preaching, I got happy and I jumped up and that wire hit me on the nose and I jerked my head back because I know I was fixing to get hung. And I hadn't preached with my eyes shut since. You understand what I'm saying? And that come to play. And if you're not careful, that's exactly what the devil, he wants you to have the worst friends that you could possibly find. And he may tell you that you can win them to God. 
Amen. I love missionaries, and I got to thinking about this, about that. I thought, do you know the best place that uh, we, everybody in here ought to be a missionary? Amen. You said, no. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a born-again child of God and love God, you ought to try. This is one of the biggest mission fields I've ever been in, right here. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I got to speak to three men today. And one of them was at the doctor's office. And I just said, and he said, you sick? I said, uh, well, I'm having treatments. He said, well, I said, you sick? He said, well, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I, when I think about how sick I am, I said, I'll usually find somebody sicker than me. And I said, that just gets a hold of me. And I said, I just try to look at it from another angle. I ain't dead yet. I may feel a quarter dead, half dead, three quarter, but I ain't dead. And I said, I just try to make myself feel better. I just try to get more light. He said, well, he said, cost more if you get more light. He was talking about the earth and the power light, you know. And he didn't even understand... It's amazing how people don't understand what you're talking about. And uh, so I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, uh, I don't want to pick old bad habits up, and I'm going back to what I was on a while ago. I don't want to pick old bad habits up and get in there, but you can pick up everybody's old bad habits. Amen. I believe that all my heart. Amen and amen. But I believe this. You're going to be as close to whoever you're with as much as you love them. If you love an old drunk, you know what you'll have to put up with if you don't drink? You have to put up with him as saying, well, uh, need to get you some white lightning or something. They'll always be knocking you, saying those sort of things. Don't they, brother? Always talk about it. Well, you ought to, you ought to take a drink. It wouldn't hurt you. I know a preacher that drinks, they'll say. Well, that don't mean you will. And you shouldn't. And you don't get involved in it. But you'll be just like them. So, let me just tell you the best thing to do. Get your Bible and read it about four or five or six hours a day. And that's the company you're keeping. And more you get uh, keeping company with him, the more you'll be like him. And that's what I want to be. Amen. Just like him. Amen. I'm having a hard time getting there, but I sure do like it when he and I has fellowship. Amen. The Holy Spirit's are knocking me and punching me and giving me some truths. And I say, thank you, Lord. Give me some more. Give me some more. Cut me another slice of that cake. Give me something. Amen. I want to get fired up for God. Well, I'm just saying that tonight to help you. So turn that old television off. Cut Twitter off. Quit looking at Facebook and all the things the world's got to offer you. You get off of that and get in the Bible and you'll be better. Amen. Somebody said the other day, are you on Facebook? No. Don't want to be. They talk about me enough on there, I'm sure. And I don't even try to keep up with it. And uh, somebody sent me some other. They said you need to see this. It's on Twitter. And I said I don't. I tried to look at it. And I said I can't get on Twitter. So we have to sign up for. It. I said I ain't signing up for it. I didn't sign up for too much now. Amen. I look at all that stuff. Amen. I believe the world tonight wants to get into the house of God. I believe the world tonight has gotten into the house of God. I believe tonight for many people in the world and in the church, I believe the, the world has already taken over the church to some things. I'll tell you right now, we've learned we're going to get the Bible put in our heart, get spirit filled, become preaching and praying people and get the Bible in our soul. Brother, I'll tell you right now, that'll change us and that'll make the world different. Can I ask you tonight, do you know of a church in the United States of America that's winning souls right and left like they did 20 years ago? Do you know of a church tonight that's 
evangelizing the world. I know a lot of good evangelists, but I hadn't heard of any evangelist that's winning 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, or 100 a, a week. What's happened? Our preachers ain't no good. Don't tell me that. We got preachers all over the country that can preach. Some of them, I, won't, I wouldn't want to go listen to, but there's some out there that I will, and they're doing their job, and I appreciate that. And I wouldn't blame the preacher tonight if souls are not being saved. How many hours you spent this week praying for lost people? How many hours have you spent this week praying for your lost loved ones? Praying for church members that have forsaken God and walked out on God. It just don't seem to work that way. Amen. And so the devil, he wants to bring the church and the world together uh, and, and feed them on a diet that the king had. And you know what happened, didn't you? Them boys said, we don't want that king's meat. And we don't want that king's wine. And we're going to be talking about that, maybe not tonight, but some other times. And uh, they're saying we don't want that part. Daniel says, why don't you put us on something else? We'll talk about that later. He'll say, you put us on something else and try us out. I don't know of a church in the country that is influenced like they ought to be by the Word of God. We got every church you go to, you'll find some that love God. You'll find some that follow the Word. You'll find some that love the Word. You'll find some that loves God. I'm glad we got a few here tonight that love God. I believe that. But I want to tell you tonight, there's a lot of churches, they don't want anything else but what they're getting. And we've lost the power of God. The devil desires to have the control in the church, and he's doing that and doing it well. Stop separating us. Amen. Can I ask you tonight, do you know of a church in the country that's totally sold out to God? I believe we've got some men of God that are. I believe we've got some members in the church, some of them. But we're so outnumbered, ladies and gentlemen. Who is supposed to change this world? The church is supposed to get the gospel out. And we're not doing it. We're not witnessing. Oh, if I, if I, you say, how you know I ain't? Well, the track right back there stays so full. That's right. You said, I just don't like your tracks. Well, get you some. You want me to give you a name of some good tracks? We'll buy them for you. <laughs> yeah. You said, I don't care about your tracks. I don't care whether you care about my tracks or not. It's the Word of God. Amen. I'm not trying to get any glory off of that. We'll send, we'll send off and get you some as long as they're King James. We'll buy them for you. Load your pockets up when you go out. How long has it been since you give out one? How long has it been since you prayed over one? Amen. I hear some reports sometimes. And the church needs to live clean lives. Can you tell me what the difference is between the world and the church? You say, yeah, I can. Well, can, how many churches do you know are separate from the world? Like the ought to be. You said, I am preaching. Good, I'm glad you are. But I'm going to tell you something. I come short myself. Yeah. Amen. Amen. My flesh wants to get involved in everything. Oh, you said, preacher, I just don't care for all that. That's right. But it's my job to wake you up. Only thing is, God wakes me up when I'm waking you up. Many of our cults in the world right now have got better standards than some of our churches have. There's some things they don't want and won't do. 
But they're not right with the Word of God either. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar is a type of Satan. He's a type of the God of this world, a God of this age. But he's promised them a provision and promised them that they could have what they want and what they need to keep them alive. They're from Judah. They know about God. They followed God. They're accustomed to doing that. But they're living in Babylonia. Or Babylon. Babylonian people is at it, it, it helm. And they're ruled by the world. Can you just imagine this a minute? These fellas did not volunteer to be in Babylon. These fellas did not ask to be put in Babylon. They were known of God and God's people in Judah. They were taken by force and put in Babylon. They didn't want to be there. They especially didn't want to worship in the land of Babylon. They didn't want to be that. But they were. Now let's look at this just for a minute out of verse number 6. Let's look at it. There's four men here. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel means God is my judge. Or judge of God. And so you can... Pick what those are and you can find some more if you want to. Uh, definitions on names are hard for me. Uh, I, I read so many different ones and they come up with one different another. Preacher has it another way and so forth. And I'm not here trying to argue with you. But I'm just showing you that this is exactly what's happened. Hananiah means Jehovah has given. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means whom Jehovah helps. Did you notice every one of them had spiritual names? They had a spiritual meaning. Now in, uh, in verse number 7 it says, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs. That's not Belshazzar. I mean, not Bel... Uh, what's his name? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. He, I always get him mixed up with Belshazzar. How for years and years. Of course, I heard a fellow one time change that a little bit. He said he called him Bel Belshazzar. But he, uh, he didn't have that right either. But now, in under, verse 7, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs give, gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. Do you know what Belteshazzar means? It means uh, that Baal, it means Baal's prince. That's what his name means. Who's Baal? False God. Then Hananiah means Jehovah has given, but to change him to Shadrach, and Shadrach means inspired or illumined by the sun God. Mishael means who is like God, but they change his name to Meshach, who is comparable to Shak, and that's a Babylonian goddess. Azariah means whom Jehovah helps, and it changed his name to Bendigo, which means servant of the shining fire God. So when you say it, and the devil don't mind uh, you doing it. You heard the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you go out in the world tomorrow and say to somebody, say, do you know who the three Hebrew children are? If they do, they'll call them if they even know anything about it, they'll call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's all they know them. The devil wants to teach us that kind of junk. That's why I, I get upset at it. The devil delights in changing names. You know why he does is that? Because God changes names in glory. And he's the imitator. Tries to get all that going. He brings the gods of gold. He brings the gods of silver. He brings the gods of possessions. He brings the gods of sports. He brings the gods of recreation. He brings all kinds of gods out of this world and brings them and sets them down in the middle of the church. Amen. For years have been having the Super Bowls and all that in the church with screens and all that. Bringing the gods of this world 
in the church house. The church is a holy, holy place. That didn't go over too good because I know good and well you don't really understand that. Praise God. That's the reason I believe we come in the door and we come in we sit down and we start meditating. I, I come in a little early. That's the reason I, I usually don't. I like to stay out and I'll tell you why. I don't want to hear everything about the world going on in the church house. These that come in right on time or right at the time about to start, I wish you'd come about 30 minutes early and then we'd all get down at the altar and pray for 30 minutes and then stand up and sing a song before we get started. That'd make me feel much better. I believe the church service would be much better and I believe we'd have a chance of winning souls a little bit better than what we do. Now, I can't make you do that. I wouldn't try to do that. But I'm hoping and praying that one of these days God's going to get a hold of you enough that you're coming in the house of God. This is not the theater. This is not Walmart. This is the house of the living God that's supposed to be living in us. Amen. Well, let's just kind of go back a little bit and look at this. You think a minute just about this. I preached around this some. Noah in chapter 6 of the book of Genesis. God said that they were evil continually. God said that they all that was on their mind was foolishness and Amen. Things of the world. He said also, as it were in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And if we're not in the days of Noah tonight, I am badly mistaken. The Bible said that they were married and given in marriage as eating and drinking. Have you ever seen a time any more than that? The Bible said that Noah preached for 120 years is going to have a flood. Compare that to today. I started off with this. Now look at it. 120 years Noah preached. And out of those 120 years, there might have been some that got saved and then died. But after the 120 years of preaching, and beloved, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people on the earth. You said, how many? I don't know. But when they... The water come down and flooded out the land. There wasn't but eight souls spared from the flood. Four men and four women. And God had to even it out. Or they could not have recreated the earth without two wives. And one man without one. Understand? Get your math right. So out of all that, I'm telling you, God done business. And now it's our job to do what we can. God has used the church to get souls saved and separated the people of God from the world. Can you really notice a, a Christian? When I was a young boy, we had people in the church, you didn't even question their salvation. You come in the church, listen to me, you come in the church and one of them old saints of God would be a shouting and a praising God. You get around one of those ladies and I'll guarantee you, you could feel the power of God rolling off of them. You could hear the men praising God and they were getting an altar and pray and just about the building would shake. It didn't, but it would shake like it did in the book of Acts. And you talked to them old men and they, you talked to them and they, they didn't come here talking about what to eat for supper, where they're going tomorrow, who's running a race. They come in talking about God at the church. When I was a young boy, them old men at Return Baptist Church sat on the pew and I'd get over there in among them. Actually, I was over there hiding. 
Because I wasn't right with God. And that preacher would get up and preach. I'd get under conviction. And I thought if I, sit, if I got down in the middle of them men, I, I'd have a hard time getting out of the aisle or out into the aisle and running down. But one night God got me. Or one morning. I remember we got into a singing group and I'd go try to sing off the calling that God gave me. And brother, I'd hide again. But those men, when you get to talking to them on the front porch of the church, they weren't talking about the new car I bought or the old pickup or the old new. That's talking about what God had been doing for them. Does anybody remember them days? We've got everything under the sun on our minds when we come here. Now we need this. And what we got down in here proves what we got down in here. You know what the world's doing? It's cleaning up the outside, trying to scratch off the old paint, put on a new paint. When God's work works down on the inside and then works itself out. I don't know where any of you seen many people today, but did you know they were saved or did you scratch off the side of your head saying, I wonder if they know God? Did you feel the witness of the Spirit? Let me ask you this. Did they feel the witness of the Spirit of God on you? I'll tell you how you know They'll try to get away from you. Especially if they're not right with God. And if they are right with God, they won't let you go. You want to hang around and talk to them. I find somebody today bragging about Jesus and bragging about the Word of God and enlightening me. I'll tell you, I'll stay with them for a while. And if they know God, they'll stay with me a while. But if they got... I know somebody right now. I talk to and every time I talk to them, and I don't care how simple it is, and I don't care how strong it is, I just talk about, I say something about, well, I'm glad I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm glad the Lord got me. I was talking to a fellow just this afternoon. I said to him, he's, I said, well, thank God for this one thing. This is a rough place sometimes, but I've got a better place to go. And he said, yep, that's right. And he said, and I said, okay. He was this morning when I was trying to get me something to eat for breakfast. Stranger, never seen him for my life. And he said, yes, sir. I said, you born again? He said, yes, sir. And I said, well, praise God, you don't get that much. How many of you running into today that said they're saved? Well, this guy didn't just tell me he's saved. He started talking about it. And the conversation went real good. He sat at the next table over from me this morning. And I know he heard everything I said, but I'm serious. We got people today that you can't even tell whether they're saved or not. Do they know that you're saved? You have to tell them? You have to put a bumper sticker on your car to tell them that you're going to go to glory? Or can they tell you're saved by the way you talk? Amen. You say, well, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to stir them up. In this hour and this day, I don't worry about where I upset them or not. I don't want them to go to hell, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have, I don't have any person on the face of the earth. I heard somebody say the other day, they said, I'll be glad when they die. They're going to hell. They was out from me over there. All wasn't talking to me. But I'd been close enough. I'd said, I believe I'd be worried about me saying that. I ain't so sure you got what you need. Can I just give you one little thought here for a minute? I got to thinking about the prodigal son. The old prodigal come out and said, Old man, I want my living. I want my inheritance. His daddy said, all right, I'll give you your inheritance. 
And he did. He went out and spent it on righteous living. Stayed gone for a while. But that old father was looking one day and here come the old boy over the top of the hill. He had been watching for him, been waiting for him. And he come in and the dad said, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. My son who's lost is found. He's come home. They went down and told the young boy, the brother, hey, come on up. We're having a party. What are we having a party about? He said, your brother has come home. And there's two people or two things that got upset about that. That was the older son and the fatty calf. <laughs> fatty calf didn't gra- brag about it. But the eldest son said, Why? I've been here the whole time and I've been all right. I, I've, been, I've obeyed you, I've done everything, and now look at him. He's in the limelight. He probably wished he was back down at the hog lot. You said, what you getting that for? You go to church? I've been preaching 50-something years. I ain't ignorant to the fact. I've seen the devil stir up somebody in the church against somebody else in the church. And they get to aggravating each other, get mad at each other, and many times one will leave, or the whole family will leave. They'll go down the road because they've done so. Well, the way they treated me, I sure am glad they're gone. Don't pray for them. Don't seek the face of God for them. And after a while, that person left, maybe has got drunk. We had some in the church, not his, but others that had gotten drunk and uh, they'd leave and they'd say, I'm glad they're gone. We don't need drunks over there. Well, I'll say this, they get drunk. Yeah, we'll put you out. And I mean tonight, you say, you wouldn't do that in church. Probably not. I'll tell you why. Probably ain't enough in here tonight that help me. Because alcohol is accepted now. You see what I'm saying? But there was a time when they put you out for that kind of stuff. Then you work with them. You said, I'm glad they're gone. That's what they'd say back a few years ago. I've seen this. And then don't pray for them. One day they get right with God after they got into that. God's got a hold of them. They get right with God. They repent. And they decide they'll come back to church. And when they come back to church, those who left uh, got upset when they left and was glad this is gone, they'll say, well, if they're going to come, I'm leaving. Now I'm saying, you got the problem. Somebody gets raunchy with the church and they leave. And then they come back and you can't accept them. Now I ain't saying put your arm around them and say, hey, I'm glad you're back. Just keep on drinking. No, sir. But if they get up and tell you that they've got they repented of it and God's cleansed them, you've got a right and obligation and a command to reinstate them in the house of God. I'm taking that from 1 Corinthians 5. When this man was fornicating with his Father's wife. I understand he got right. First Corinthians, they got problems and get them straightened out in Second Corinthians. And Paul was having problems with them coming back and the people not accepting them. We're supposed to forgive somebody if they repent. But we're not supposed to let them Keep on doing that in the house of God. Amen. But so we look at these fellas tonight and the devil is trying to do his due. I'm going to stop right there. I pray tonight that God might help us. You know tonight if you disagree with the preacher when he's trying to preach to you the word of God, 
you're not disagreeing with the preacher, you're disagreeing with God. And you're saying, Lord, I don't like that, I don't appreciate it, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing, I'm, I'm just upset and disturbed at the preacher. But hey, you've got a little rebellion streak in you. Amen. I'm going to tell you this. If you don't get this stuff right and get a clean act in your life, let me ask you, what's that going to do for your children? You know, I've seen this so much. You've got to live according to the Word of God. God likes obedience. The devil likes obedience. And you're going to obey one of them. I'm going to obey one of them. If you obey Satan tonight, what's that going to do for your family? What's that going to do tonight for, you, for your church? What's that going to do for your personal life? And then what's it going to do for the world out there that don't know any better? Amen. I'll quit before I get myself preached under conviction. All right. But it is something. I believe I tried to give you what you need. Amen. The whole book of Daniel is going to be like that. We're going to get on some other things. Of course, there'll be some other subjects. You know what was wrong with King Nebuchadnezzar? It's full of pride. Yeah, that's it. That's the reason I know he is following Satan. What what Satan get cast out of heaven for? Pride. What have you had trouble with down through your life that's got you in trouble? Pride. What's wrong with the world tonight? It's not getting right with God. Pride. Amen. Heads bowed. I pray tonight God will touch you right there where you're sitting. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you now.